back to the Ocali Beat Writers podcast for the OSU soccer team. This might be the last one of these relevant to the OSU soccer team mm-hmm. for a few months at least until the spring season gets going. But uh, we're here to recap basically what has happened over the fall and uh, give us just give our season rundown from what we saw. So how are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Jacob. Uh, it's first of all, it, it, it's great to be back in the studio talking OSU soccer. It's it's been a while, quite honestly, because uh, we well we had the ice storm, then we had a podcast, and then I think we had a break for the past two weeks or so, mm-hmm. just because of of uh, all our our different schedules. But you know, obviously, uh, the last match, OSU beats OU. Hopefully, we can see that at the on the football field too. <laughs> Uh, Saturday evening, but you know, obviously the fall season's over, so we got to recap it. So last Thursday, actually, so you two, the the Hudson's twins, they had the honor of attending the game in person in in Norman at John Crane Field. Unfortunately, OU because of their uh, their COVID guidelines, they were only able to give us two uh, press passes. But hey, guys, two is better than none. I'm, I'm Happy that you guys were able to go in. Not only that, but uh, Wade, the the soccer SID, allow, allowed you guys to get for the first like first time, uh, I guess, more personal in- interviews, which which was awesome. But absolutely, it was great to you know. I feel like we uh, know these players and coaches pretty well, especially the ones that have been on multiple media availabilities, like uh, Grace Joker and Hannah Webb and Coach Carmichael's on every one. So. Uh, it was really great to you know be able to talk to them in person, and uh, it was almost felt a little surreal. Like, wow, this isn't through a Zoom screen, but you know, hey, I guess we've all had to get used to Zoom screens this year for sure. But uh, I feel like Ben John Creed Field was you know pretty nice. I don't think it was any Neil Patterson Stadium. I don't think Neil Patterson Stadium. Uh, I think that <clears throat> Oklahoma State has it beat, but well, John sure. Crane Field had uh, some nice, you know, like dugout-looking things for the benches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, they had the painted Oklahoma. Yeah, logo well, the gold. well, that, that's something. Nice. That's something I noticed. Is I mean, it, this may sound weird, but honestly, yeah, their their grass looked. Yeah, their grass looked pretty good. It mm-hmm. it, it it looked like the the groundskeeper or grounds crew does a good job there. But so the it, the it, match itself was. Uh, 1-0 victory. I mean, not really a whole lot there. but Yeah, it, there wasn't really a whole lot of, you know, action-packed um, soccer in there. It, it was fun to watch. Um, a little bit harder to take in the beauty of the field and, you know, the soccer sure. when you're c- kind of freezing, kind of <laughs> underpacked, uh, yeah. sitting there on the third level. But we had a, we had a fun time with it, um, watching the match. And it was a 1-0 victory, as you said earlier, Adam, for the Cowgirls. Um I guess it wasn't even a like live ball goal as the low sure. goal came off of a uh, penalty kick from Grace Yoakum, um, who she know as she told us before she always goes low into the left right and yeah. today uh, she she knocked that penalty kick in high into the left she said she missed hit it a little bit maybe leaned back uh, in her approach to the shot um, but thankfully it went in for her. And uh, she netted the lone goal in a Bedlam victory to cap the season. Yeah, well, uh, something I was extremely uh, surprised with, I'm, I'm sure, I guess, all, all of you, in fact, maybe fans of Big 12 soccer, well, um, unfortunately, or I guess unfortunately for OU, so they bring in a new coach, Mark Carr. It's his first year 
you know, obviously some top coaching experience. He was the uh, United States under-20 women's national team coach. He comes into Norman, and unfortunately, for the first time ever, for the first time in Oklahoma Sooners women's soccer history, they have a winless season, 0-8-1. Mm. and one. And not only that, but they also tie their program low for three goals scored in the entire season. So, unfortunately, not the best season at all. For Oklahoma, certainly they won that they want to you know wipe from their memory. Um, and, and and Jacob, so something that was definitely interesting is because I remember you were watching the you were watching the match. It was broadcast live on Fox Sports Oklahoma, and 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 you, you were you were texting the group chat. You said Coach Carr. I, I I think you said something along the lines like Coach Carr said in the second half there was only one team competing out there, and it wasn't us. It was not OU. Yeah, I mean, that was basically the gist of what I took away from it is that he didn't feel like they really came out and competed in the second half. And I think, you know, I think it was a little bit uh, not misrepresented that the goal came in such a fluke way. The hand, sure. I don't think it was intentional that having the handball, I certainly didn't think it was. But, no. you know, you, at that point, you have to think, as a as a soccer team, you've got to be able to then move forward, put more pressure on the opponent, and I don't really think OU did that after going behind, and I think that kind of established what the match was going to look like. Yeah, and Jacob, it kind of makes sense for there to maybe be only one fluke goal in this entire match because um, Coach Carmichael told us that, you know, and we felt this firsthand, Sam, the conditions were not great for, no. for offensive soccer. It was windy, uh, gusting winds. I think Carmichael said that Oklahoma was playing balls high in the air to, you know, mess with defenders and make it really difficult on everybody. So, uh, if you were looking for, you know, beautiful passing field soccer, long passes, beautiful shots to the goal, you know, that's not the match we had on uh, last Thursday night. Uh, But the Cowgirls found a way to tough it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if it did come off of a handball in the box, they found a way to get a goal and uh, secure a win. Well, Jacob, that's a great point. Uh, I wanted to point out that this match... For OSU standards, it, it, it kind of seemed like the Kansas match in reverse because hmm. when o- OSU played Kansas, there was that unintentional handball of, of course, you know, that driven shot clips the shoulder, clips the forearm of Kim Rodriguez, draws draws a uh, penalty kick. And, and I think that was like the only uh, shot on goal or, or some, some crazy stat for, for KU and they were able to convert. And, and so, you know, I... Well, I distinctly remember that Coach Carmichael in in I guess the post game video in in Lawrence he said, "Man, I'm you know he he was very um, disappointed, kind of upset with the uh, you know kind of upset with the way the Cowgirls played in the first half. Now, definitely not the story in the second half, but I feel that's kind of how Coach Carr felt. Like I said, in reverse, and so it it was crazy." Um, you, you know, it, it was very weird because I know you guys were in person watching the match. Jacob was watching the match on TV on Fox Sports Oklahoma, but unfortunately, be, because the match was only on Fox Sports Oklahoma, the the OSU, like, in the dorms, the cable package, yes. they took out Fox yes. Sports Oklahoma. Yep. So I couldn't <clears throat> watch the game. So what I was doing, though— is and obviously thank you uh bill van ness he's he, i believe he's been the radio 
voice of the Cowgirls soccer team for probably quite some time. I, I really don't know how long, but I, I was listening to the radio broadcast, which was which was pretty awesome. But I remember in the pregame show, he was talking how when, when he talked to Coach Carmichael early in the week, he said, you, you know, uh, oh, yeah, o- OU is winless. But guys, you know, as, as we see in really all sports rivalry matter or in rivalry matches, records don't matter. And, and OU, at least in the first half, OU played OSU pretty close. And guys, we all know that building any sports program, building a culture there, it takes time. So, sure. you know, you really uh, feel for a guy that didn't get any wins in his first year, especially in a shortened season. You know, he didn't get those non-conference t- games where he probably could have gotten wins, uh, Coach Carr for OU. So, you know, unless uh, the Sooners have a coaching turnover rate like the Browns, you got to assume this guy will be back next year. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. You know, Coach Carmichael, he's been with the Calgary soccer program since his inception yep, at, like, yep, 1996. Yep. So, uh, you know, it'll be good to see. Uh, hopefully OU, um, you know, even though they are the Bedlam rivals, uh, you know, I, I, I really don't like seeing any team go winless the whole oh, season. Oh, sure. And that's well, tough. I, I, absolutely. I, I, no, not only that, but, you, you, you know, you, you can say all you want that, you know, it's it's great to be so dominant in a series like like the Cowgirls are over the Sooners. I I think since the win, their all time record against them is something like twenty seven nine and three, which is ridiculously lopsided. Which is great for 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 OSU, but but you know I, I feel like at the same time you you would, I guess historically, want. I get well. Okay, I, I guess you would like, in a sense, a little more competitive of, I, I, of a series, if that makes sense. I think all those OU fans are uh, pretty fine with their record as it stands uh, when it comes to football and sure. love. I'm a- not sure. Absolutely, if, I'm not sure if it's the same way with soccer. But yeah, from from a competitive standpoint in the Big Twelve, uh, it looks you know better on teams who look to like make the postseason and make sure. strides next season when they have competitive matches all the way around. So which, yeah, I'm with you. Which brings us to a great point so we're actually going to go to that right now so we're going to talk about the spring season and and, and then I think after we're, we're going to probably yeah because there was news of the all big 12 awards so that that's something we will close out but since the timing is here Ben you wrote the article about it so tell us for those who do not know like since there, obviously there isn't a big 12 postseason tournament Tell us the future. Where do the Cowgirls go from here? Yeah, for sure. Um, I wrote this article, guys, because I was curious. The schedule mm-hmm. just has the Cowgirls' last game being against the Sooners and Norman. And that's and it. And then nothing after. And, yeah. And I said, what? You know, Coach Carmichael kind of talked about uh, post-game that they're going to try and play some spring matches and stuff. So I wrote this article because I feel like if I know I was confused, then I feel like a lot of Cowgirl fans sure. around Stillwater were very confused about what the uh, future schedule looks like. For the team, so I'll run that down for you. Um, from a period from from February third to April seventeenth. Okay. Um, soccer teams will be allowed to schedule, I guess, non-conference games or um, I guess non-postseason matches. They'll be okay. able to schedule those matches um, to build their playoff resume, to build their you know resume before the selection time for the NCAA soccer tournament comes around. Mm-hmm. Coach Carmichael, this hasn't been, you know, confirmed via schedule yet or anything, but Coach Carmichael told us in the post-game press conference that he plans to play around seven or eight games mm-hmm. from that February 3rd to April 17th window. So, quick question. I'm, I mean, obviously, this season's so much different than normal, but if, if I'm not mistaken, so you're, you're telling me that th- is this spring, I guess, 
what you could call it, quote-unquote, regular season, is it different from, you know, the spring seasons of the past where, where OSU kind of schedules, you know, some, some D2 or some smaller schools for kind of a kind of a uh, developmental spring season? Like, is, is it – what I'm saying is it's like an actual com- – it's a meaningful competitive – competitive spring season yeah, correct these games you know oklahoma state and all schools played so such a limited slate that uh, you know especially with the bit potential postseason that ben's about to run down being reduced all these teams will i think probably find these games even more critical than normal mm-hmm. okay. to uh, you know oklahoma state's only six two and one and while third in the big 12 is a pretty strong finish uh, sure you know you never know exactly what the committee is looking for with a limited field so i think that instead of seeing teams scheduled uh, from smaller schools that you know would maybe be used to get in younger players and have them play more, uh, you might see games against top level competition, uh, especially for teams like you know on the bubble, if you will, looking sure. to make a statement. Yeah, Sam, I kind of view it, um, and this is just kind of my gut feeling, right? I think that the scheduled teams um, in the spring little season window they have, I have a feeling that those teams will be pretty similar to what we would have normally seen in a. Um, schedule before the Big 12 conference. I see. Because, okay. op- you know, the Big 12 opened with conference-only play. So I imagine that instead of playing all those non-conference games before conference play, you know, in, in my gut's kind of telling me that they'll just play all those non-conference games um, in the spring in preparation for the tournament. So if that that's kind of uh, what you're getting at, Adam, like the level, the caliber sure. of opponent yeah. they'll have there. And the reason everybody's doing this is to prepare for the NCAA uh women's soccer tournament which normally contains you know like we're all used to seeing in a ncaa tournament 64 teams it's huge um but that's not the case this year there's going to be some covid19 scaling down of the entire event so the bracket is going to be 48 teams deep instead of 64 um and the field will consist of 31 automatic qualifiers and 17 at-large selections oh wow okay so yeah um, do we know what you know, what automatic qualifiers are? Because I don't I don't think there are 31 soccer yeah, conferences. Yeah. But you know, Oklahoma State definitely didn't win the Big 12, so they might have to rip one of those 17 uh, at large bids. So well, I'm not sure what's the well, automatic well, qualifier constraints. Well, I mean, yeah, you you definitely bring up a good point, but I I feel like it's in the uh, well because you said normally like uh, 64, although it's not, it's almost cut in half. But mm-hmm. but I I feel like it's um. Like basketball, in the sense that there are a lot of teams getting in at because of at-large bids. With that being said, I I feel like a team like Oklahoma State, who is third in a really strong conference, mm-hmm. uh, ranked eleventh in the United Soccer Coaches Bowl. I I feel like Oklahoma's chances are very, uh, very much in their favor. But you know, yeah. And into your point, Adam, uh, Coach Carmichael, and um, you know, from the sound of it, Grace Yoakum would agree with you. Uh, Coach Carmichael pretty explicitly said. Um, I do think we've did it. We've done enough to to you know gain an invitation to the NCAA tournament. And uh, Grace Yoakum, although she didn't like, explicitly say that, um, you kind of tell that's what she thought. So um, I would say you know you're you're well backed uh, in your opinion there that this team will you know have a decent shot, a good chance at making the NCAA tournament. Which um, the field for the soccer tournament will be announced on April 18th. Okay. So just um, kind of shortly after that window of play where. Um, I guess teams can make their final like resume building preparations, and uh, the finals of the women's college cup, which is actually what the whole tournament's called, sure, will be from May thirteenth to seventeenth. So guys, that's crazy. Like, yeah, when did this season start? Um, 
back a couple months ago, I guess. September, maybe September, yeah. And it concludes in May. May. What a, what a crazy yeah, season. For it's sure. like the inverse of uh, the MLB season almost. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. You do make a good point. That, that's sure. that's too many calendars and numbers in my head. Exactly. But, but yeah, I, that sounds like a good point. So we'll go with that. So well, guys, one thing I was kind of thinking we do is uh, maybe I'll run down the Cowgirls schedule real quick. They finished six two and one. Sure. And then we can give some of our favorite moments across the season, or you know maybe uh, a player that stuck out stuck out to us this year. Um, does that sound good? Kind of as a absolutely moving uh, more to a broader scale. Let me just say this first. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, we're all being speculative. We don't we don't know what OSU is going to do in the spring. For sure, we have an idea, but what we know for sure is not not specifically stated what we're going to see. So I would my my counterpoint to what you've been saying is that if OSU is one of those teams on the fence, and mm-hmm. we don't know if they're going to be in or not. Your incentive is almost is should be to just play a lot of teams that are in that same group that are in I that see. category, mm-hmm. so that you're you're getting head to head experience against legitimate teams that could be in the tournament, could very well not be in the tournament, and that's going to help you down the road because then they're going to look at your schedule and they're going to see well they played all these teams that we're considering and this is what they went against them that could push you over the bubble like into the into the tournament that could also eliminate you from the tournament tournament entirely but i think it's a risk that osu has to take if they're going to make it there because playing a lot of lower level teams sure you get wins against those teams but are they going to really move the needle yeah. with what the what from what you've seen so far i don't think that it would push me it wouldn't push them over the hurdle, over the fence. Sure. No, that's an important point. Yeah, it is. I agree. All right, so I'll kind of run down the season, then we can maybe go uh, pick out some of our favorite moments from it. But just to get a broader scale, Cowgirls finished six two and one, good for third in the Big Twelve Conference. Uh, they were picked second, so you know a slight, uh, slight uh, recession of the. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, preseason polls, but hey, shortened season, you know, if you drop a game that puts you in a much uh, bigger hole than what would have normally been experienced. So, Cairo's opened up the season at Kansas State in Manhattan. They won 3-0 there. That was the game where two goals were scored that in was, like the first four yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. That, so that was, was uh, That was quite the introduction for us for the Cowgirls soccer right there. Absolutely. And uh, came home for the home opener against Iowa State the next week. Uh, won two to one there on the penalty kick from Grace Yoakum, is that right? Mm-hmm. And uh, after that kind of chaotic sequence, went um, or actually stayed home in Stillwater, and the next week played West Virginia in mm. a that was their biggest match of the season at that point, where they won two to one in overtime. The Cowgirls did uh, went to Baylor, where they uh, did not win their first game. It was a, it was a scoreless draw. Yep. Double overtime as uh, all draws are scoreless sure. for the Cowgirls there. And then they dropped their first game of the year that next week uh, at home against TCU. And that that win was in overtime. So that was when the Cowgirls were leading for probably, you know, uh, 95% of the match and then uh, couldn't hang on at the very end. Good point. And then probably in the uh, the end of the toughest stretch of the Cowgirls season by far, was at Lawrence when the Cowgirls lost 0-1 to at uh, Kansas. And Kansas was a good team that uh, shut the Cowgirls out and uh, really played good defense there. 
So the Cowgirls did manage to kind of rebound and save their season a little bit with wins against uh, kind of the teams residing in the lower half of the standings in the Big 12. They won 2-0 at Texas on October 23rd, followed that up a week later with a 2-1 overtime win against Texas Tech, and then blanked Oklahoma to win 1-0 in the Bedlam finale. What what stuck out to you guys? What were some of your favorite moments? Well, for me personally... um. For me personally, my favorite moment was the first match against Iowa State. So, you know, as you guys, as I say so much, you guys are probably sick of me mentioning it, mentioning it. But of course, I'm I'm from the good old state of Wyoming. <laughs> um, I live probably about like a close to a four hour drive to the nearest Division One university, which is University of Wyoming. Out outside of uh, my local junior college which unfortunately in the spring they cut their athletic programs that that match that i i covered was the was the first i guess the first ncaa soccer match i've attended and in 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 that just fact general was so much fun but but the fact that you know i i was able to join you guys i guess unofficially on on the soccer beat which by the way was is so much fun was so much fun but I say is because you know we're we're not done and neither hopefully neither are the, are the cowgirls, but um, you you know, Neil Patterson Stadium, you know I, I've obviously I haven't been to any other Division One soccer stadiums, but I I can say with confidence that Neil Patterson Stadium is not your typical college soccer stadium. I mean just just walking in there. It it had a big time atmosphere. I I could tell. I mean, something that I I could uh, tell right off the bat is the. I mean, these OSU OSU fans are dedicated. Not only that, but I, I felt like there's a high soccer IQ at Neil Patterson Stadium among the fans and supporters. So absolutely that that in itself was probably my favorite moment. Especially not only that, but just that match was phenomenal. I mean, it was so 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 exciting, and and um, yeah. So that that personally is my favorite moment. Yeah, Adam, that was my favorite moment until the next week when sure. the Cowgirls welcomed in the West Virginia Mountaineers, which uh, was uh, the most exciting soccer match I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. um, in person or on TV. And I happen to have the pleasure of being there in person to watch. The Cowgirls, it, it was uh, coming into this game, it was their you know biggest game of the season. Uh, West Virginia was actually higher ranked than the Cowgirls coming in. I think it was like number three in the nation um, against number five in the nation yeah, or, it, or something like that. And it was it, it was just a huge match that came down to the last 30 seconds of the match. I remember where, that, yeah. Um, in double overtime, everything looked to be heading to a tie. And Olivia Dowell um, just kind of like, turned around like made some like crazy move like slow motion spun around you know everybody thought she had a shot and then she just decided to hold it for just a tad longer and she ended up uh scoring that game winning goal and just kind of the release of emotions and everything that was so exciting for me to watch and that was definitely my favorite moment of the season i'll agree with you i think that was definitely my favorite moment as well as just how that game ended and i mean the entire overtime period kind of just the anxiety everybody was kind of just Ugh, sitting on the edge of their seat, hoping something would happen, and then that happened. So I think that was probably the biggest moment 
for OSU. I think that was also it just so happens to be my favorite moment that they mm-hmm. that they did this year. So I yeah, I would agree with everything you said. I think that's exactly the reasoning behind my my uh opinion on that as well. So Yeah, yeah. I I think Adam yours was the most dramatic moment with the oh, sure. yellow or with the you know coming off the line and yeah, yeah, just a lot of moments to pick from. Sam, do you have something different? Yeah, or? I guess I was just trying to find out. I remember I dug it out from my article I wrote. I had the game story that week and uh I can't remember. It was something like the uh the game was the match was tied for like ninety nine point four six percent of the minutes played. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh Olivia Dow or the seconds played in because we had to do that. Yeah. And then uh Olivia Dow, yeah, that was Adam said that that you know he was kinda hyping up the fan base in No Passion Stadium and that was the most excited I've ever seen them. And they get excited, the fans at No Passion Stadium. But that was uh probably the highlight of the home matches for sure. And uh, all throughout a different game, both those games were uh really great and fun to cover and like I said, this beat has been so fun all year long and I like Adam's word of is because we're not done. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll throw out my first ever uh, road trip covering a game, which was the uh, finale November 12th in Norman. Um, it was just a really fun trip for me. Uh, ben and I, we have a friend down in Norman, so we got to meet him for Sweet. dinner before the game and then uh, get to go check out the second Division One, uh, or I guess, why do I even say that? Just the second college soccer yeah. stadium I've ever been to. So it was really great to just kind of get a feel for something different and... Um, you know, uh, John Cranfield was great. It did make me uh, especially thankful for Neil Patterson Stadium because mm-hmm. uh, nothing, it definitely did not have Neil Patterson Stadium beaten. It's just beautiful. But, sure. uh, yeah, that was a fun trip for sure. Um, just getting to be somewhere different and watch the Cowgirls, you know, uh, as the away team, it was kind of interesting. Uh, it was an exciting game, too. Grace Yoakum, you know, we were all kind of watching, like, hey, she's probably going to go bottom left, and then it flew on her a little Boom. bit. It was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but... She scored it, and, uh, you know, just getting to talk to Coach, and we got to talk to Hannah Webb and Grace Yoakum in person afterwards to talk about the game. So it was just a fun way to wrap up the season on the road. All right, Sam, very important question. What did you guys eat for dinner? All right. <laughs> you want the long Get story? This. Okay, yeah, sure. it's a great Sto- story. Story time on the OSU soccer okay. pod. Right it's here. a great story. Ben and I tell our buddy, we're in 509 in Iba Hall. Ben and I tell our buddy who's in 508, we're like, hey, we're going to Norman to cover the Cowgirls. And he's like, hey, I used to live in Norman. You know, we knew that. He's like, hey, if you go to My Slim Chickens, I can tell my cousin who works there to hook you up. Okay. So Ben and I, uh, we're all about that. And uh, <laughs> we uh, talked to Cody, our friend. Cody calls his, was it his cousin or his friend? I think uh, it was, all right. And I'm not, I'm not kidding anyone here, guys. This is how crazy the story gets. I believe it was his cousin's friend or okay. friend's cousin it, it was some kind of distant relationship that when we walked up to that counter we weren't really sure <laughs> yeah. if we were going to get the hookup or not <laughs> we were not knowing what to expect but then uh we were told to ask for tristan and mm-hmm. we'll see what happens okay ben goes behind the counter he's like hey uh we order our food the three-piece uh chicken tender meal he ben's like hey is tristan there tristan comes out then looks at ben for a couple <laughs> seconds all of a sudden, the light comes on in his eyes, light bulb moment. It's like, oh, these are the guys I'm supposed okay. to hook yeah. up. Okay. So we order our three-piece uh, chicken tenders meal, and then um, you know, a little while later, we get the food, and the girl who brings it out to us, she's like, hey, uh, 
I'm not exactly sure why there's so many extra tinders in here, but I brought some sauce to help uh, even it out. Okay. So our uh, three-piece tinder meal ended up being more like seven tinders. Nice. <laughs> so uh, we had a good, good meal at Slim Chickens before we went to the stadium. So shout out to the Norman Slim yes, Chickens, Norman right? Slim Absolutely. Chickens. Okay. Tristan, you are awesome. the man. Awesome. Yes. Great story. Yeah, okay. That, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll try and make that segue, guys. That's a tough segue for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, another shout-out we could give to, uh, you know, the people like Tristan, um, who are doing uh, the OSU Soccer Pod some favors, is <laughs> uh, the players on the OSU Soccer Team who got some awards. Like, yeah. yesterday, there were some awards that got announced. Um, I guess we can start with the uh, All-B-12 Freshman Team, work our way up to second, and then finally uh, talk about the All-B-12 First Team players. So uh, I think, Jacob, you had the, the story on the all B 12 freshman team. Yeah, so um, Kiana Simon and um, Grace Dennis were both named onto the freshman team. Uh, Kiana <laughs> Simon was a unanimous selection from mm. all nine other coaches besides Coach Carmichael because he can't select his sure. own players. So I guess they, they say it's unanimous, but... Like, but you know, I guess it's not technically, but it is. Yeah. So, you know, but I think, I mean, if there was a freshman that made an immediate impact that was noticeable, it was Kiana Simon. I think she was by far, I mean, she started all all nine games and she looked like she belonged. It, I don't feel like she looked out of place at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. sure, at times, at times it was kind of like, oh, this is, this is the pace it's going to be. This is the athlete that you're going against but the way you adjust is also really important and I think Kiana Simon this whole season has shown that her adjustment her adjustments to when she's on the field kind of just seeing how the match is played seeing how quick all these athletes are and uh, I guess making the necessary adjustments to succeed I think no, nobody did it better than what Kiana Simon's done this year. I think I was really impressed with her. And I mean, if I had to vote, I would vote for Kiana Simon too, because golly, you, you no. would not have guessed that she was a freshman from what she did this year. Jacob, I think oh, my yeah, favorite Kiana Simon story that really illustrates what you're talking about, you know, her like noticeable impact right away was Ben Naya. We had a buddy from North Texas come up and uh, he watched one of the soccer games with us here. I can't remember which one it was. It may have been uh, West for Texas. It, yeah, yeah, I think it was Texas. You're right, but uh, you know, uh, he just—he's really observant. He's a great sports fan, awesome. and he texted us from the stands up to the booth. He said, "You know, I think number twelve is y'all's best player." Yeah, and uh, that is Kiona Simon's number, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Correct. And he—he uh, he was talking about Kiona Simon, and uh, when we told him, "Yeah, you know, Kiona's just a freshman, but she's been starting every game yeah. and really been playing well," he was kind of shocked by that. So uh, I think it was really a testament to. Um, the young core that Oklahoma State has, you know, the seniors, as we'll probably get into later, like they put in work this year, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. a lot of seniors, but it wasn't, uh, you know, the production came from freshmen and younger players too. So uh, I hate to be the cliche guy, but it, it is a bright future in Stillwater. For oh, the now keep in mind, keep in mind when we're, when we're saying this, a lot of these teams, other options, if they were going to attack a side, if they were going to try to exploit somebody on mm-hmm. OSU, your other options are all really experienced, proven players that you know what Great you're point. facing. That, 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 so that's a tremendous point. I think she took a lot of the tar- – like, I think a lot of teams, in my opinion, targeted her side saying, 
that's the unexperienced side of the defense. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go down that side. We're going to try to exploit that. And, I mean, it was really with limited success, I think, more often than not, I think that it was a problem to go down that side because she just she just developed so quickly and adjusted on the fly so well, especially for somebody with that little experience in the college level. I that's really what stood out to me. So yeah, yeah. For for me personally, I am zero percent not surprised at all by Keona Simon's recognition as all freshman. I mean, I I thought I thought she was. She was terrific. She was terrific in the back line this season and was a lockdown defender for the majority of the season. There, there was, I, I think, just just one one spot where you know uh, that that TCU goal that they start and then you you know there, there's kind of no defensive pressure and they get the shot off. But mm-hmm. you know that happens. But but to me, when I think of Keona Simon, I think of two adjectives to describe her play, and those those are speedy and physical. I mean, the the consequences of her physicality was just a mi- a minor downside at times considering that she did lead the team with with two yellow cards, but I I think at the same time as she matures and grows, she will kind of learn how to control her body body a bit better, but I mean, that's the thing. You you have a a girl that put in such a good freshman season. I mean, you, you, you I mean, really, that is a luxury. Mhm to have a, a player that strong um at at that age now at at the same time it it was interesting because that same position kind of the uh the right back i, I believe it was right back or i guess right center mid right center um, back right yeah yeah right area. center back peyton vincey what was another player that at the beginning of the season she and simon were kind of trading um i guess trading repetitions unfortunately she went down with the season-ending knee injury, but that also gave way to Grace Dennis, mm-hmm. right? I, I I think I'm thinking of Grace Dennis. Yeah, Grace Dennis was a player who you know also was also on um, the freshman team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she she was also fantastic, and you know not to be overshadowed by uh, what Keona did. Grace Dennis also had a fantastic season, like you said, Adam. Kind of uh, came up big for the Cowgirls when some injuries happened uh, to the team. Grace Dennis filled in nicely and really had a terrific back half of the season. Sure. Um, in which she played a lot of minutes. That allowed her to, you know, also be on that uh, all-freshman Big 12 team. Well, that that is a great point. That is a great point when you say the the back half because, you know, she she, she didn't really – she played sparingly, I, I guess, in the first half of the season just because of the, the situation. But, you know, w- when a player – when a player goes down, you hear the cliche. You cliche. You've heard it thousands of times. You know, uh, ne- you know, next man up, and um, she she definitely delivered. Now, with that being said, uh, I, I guess we'll segue into, I guess, out, outside of the freshman team, there was five. I guess not five first teamers, but but five players named to the first and second team All Big Twelve. So two to the first team. That was Kim Rodriguez and Olivia Dow, which. Rodriguez, you know, there, there's no surprise why, you, you know, when the soccer team re- leading up to the season, they released their top 25 players of history because it was like the uh, under tw- like under 25 days to go or something like that. But she is the sixth Oklahoma State player in history to earn first team honors more than twice in her career. And then Olivia Dowell, I mean, my goodness, she she. She delivered. I mean, what a what a sophomore season from her, 
And then second team, Charmaine Morgan, Grace Yoakum, and then, of course, Gabriella Coleman. I mean, r- really, the, the, the whole group as a collective just just played really well. Guys, before we talk about I guess we can talk about the first team a little later on, but moving up the line, like this second team, uh, all Big 12, this was uh, a real level of production for the Cowgirls. These uh, three players, uh, they all played really well, and they're kind of, you know, the rocks that helped the Cowgirls, uh, you know, finish number three in the Big 12. Uh, what were some of your favorite moments or aspects, or maybe, I don't know if y'all have statistics, uh, about the three players on the all Big 12 second team? Well, I'll, I'll say one of the most impressive aspects about three Cowgirls making the Big 12 all-second-team list was that they had a defender, a midfielder, and a forward, which shows just how balanced uh, this team is. I mean, great point. Mm-hmm. I, I I honestly hadn't even realized that until you said that, which which, which is a great point. Uh, something I was just going to say, I, I feel like when you put Charmay Morgan and Gabriella Coleman kind of in, in the same line, same sentence, it makes sense because... I feel like they're a strong duo because they were considering uh, I it was either Morgan. I mean, one of them, I can't remember. One of them was a uh, left winner. One of them was a right winner. And they, I mean, they were so fast. They were just yeah. sprinting up and down, up and down the, uh, the length of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think when you, when you look at all of the second team, the one thing that kind of stands out to me is, just how that experience kind of shaped the season almost. I mean, I know that's kind of really general, but those are experienced. All three of those players are really experienced players. Mm -hmm. You kind of expect somebody to step up whenever you start a season and you started on the, on the right track. And then you hit that first bit of adversity, which in our, in OSU's case was Baylor playing whenever they didn't, they didn't score, but they also shut out Baylor at the same time, so it all worked out. They didn't lose all the points that they could get. But just having that experience on your roster is so – it's critical for any team that's going to be successful. And I sure. think when you look at when you look at the second team, I don't know if I would have told you preseason that they would have three players on the second team because I probably would have expected – a third person on that first team. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. All, all things considered, but when you're when you're looking at what the what players made the second team, what players made the first team, there's arguments to be made that some of those players on any given night could play up to a first team Absolutely. level. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So that's where I think the experience is going to is going to come in, and you know I think players like Olivia Dow, of course she's just a superstar. She isn't yeah. going to fall off a cliff. You know, she's going to play up to a really high standard. And I, I would say, I would think she was probably the best player on the team this year. And, you know, I think that's justified for her being a first team selection. But I also think at times we can see Gabriella Coleman, I feel like probably played up to a first team level. I think Charmaine Morgan, just her pace. Yeah. I mean, her pace is game changing. Mm-hmm. So you could have made an argument for four players on the first team, really. And guys, the third player on that All Big Twelve second team for the Cowgirls was, I think, the uh, first team All like physical team. Yeah, Grace yeah. Yoakum. The joke in the press box was, you know, she was always on the ground, she always, was. Uh, you know, colliding, trying to win those fifty-fifty balls in the air. So you know, she certainly brought a different aspect than uh, Morgan and Coleman to the team. 
but uh, you know, one that was no less unimportant. I think being, uh, I think Yokum was probably the you know the glue guy for the team this year a little bit, playing in the midfield really, uh, battening down the hatches and uh, just you know being that force in the midfield. Mm-hmm. So something I'm I'm just gonna say real quickly. I, I know Jacob said you know you could make the argument about you know first team second team. Uh, I just wanted to point out. I I feel like if there was an a Big Twelve honorable mention that these two names w- would be included, but but I I I guess, I guess in my opinion I I feel like they might be just a little they kind of got snubbed. Now now at the same time, keep in mind Jacob, like you said. Uh, the coaches can't vote for their own players. So for for these uh, players in particular, I, I I think it I guess it would be hard for other coaches to really like notice bec- because they're only I guess watching you know you from one game the game that they played against that particular team. But to me, two players that or at least one for sure, but two players that I think in my opinion you know kind of got snubbed were Hannah Webb and. Allie Jackson. Now, personally for me, I, I was shocked to, to see Hannah Webb not on this list at all. She and Allie Jackson, right, they were the only non-goalie, so of course the only position players, or I guess uh, outfield players other than, you know, goalie Emily mm-hmm. Plotz, they played every single minute. Yeah, yeah. Every single minute, which in itself is an incredibly impressive stat. Uh, unfortunately in the sport of soccer, I, I feel like these central defenders do not get the recognition they deserve at all. Uh, similar sim- similar to offensive linemen in, in football, but mostly that's due to the fact that they rarely record any offensive statistics. Allie Jackson only recorded one shot, uh, I think one shot or one shot on goal this season. But that, that H- Hannah Webb's one shot happened to go in. It, exactly, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It, it's natural in this position for mm-hmm. them to not score a lot of goals. So I, I feel like maybe that's why coaches didn't vote them because, y- you know, they, they they made a huge impact on the defensive side of the ball, but... Uh, for me, I, I mean Hannah Webb. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, how how many times, like when we were in the press box, or even watching, I guess on the ESPN Plus feed, we were just thinking, like, how many times do we see a Hannah Webb? Uh, Hannah Webb beat her defender yeah. on you know, uh, in, with with just an exciting display of dribbling, and and then, but I I think furthermore, I guess, I guess it's really a shame though because I mean Hannah as a whole was a key piece of this team. Unfortunately, she's a senior. You know, she she obviously has that decision to make if she wants to stay the the extra year or not. But uh, I thought she was just really um, professional, like in, in the way that she went about her business out off the field as well. I mean, first of all, off the field, she is a mathematics major, which you know is, is something that I certainly can could never do. I'm not sure if really uh, any you know uh, any of you guys no. would Mm-mm. would be willing or want to do that at all either but and and with that she has a reputation of being a tremendous student as shown by you know numerous academic awards but uh, aside from her classroom work ethic uh and and i'm sure y'all can attest to this as well is that hannah was just so great with with us reporters during media availability i mean she she had great quotes throughout the season and and always took her time talking talking to us and, and that was good to see and um, you, you, Hannah Webb was just awesome. I'm sure, Coach Carmichael. Uh, you know, she 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 obviously provided so much to her teammates. And then on on Allie Jackson, I I felt like she played the role of a lifesaver so many times in in several moments this season. For for me, or I guess for 
I guess just looking, her Allie Jackson's big moments came in plays where she was almost always there in, in the backfield, and she cleared a ball out of danger and was just really clean with the way she handled the soccer ball. Mm-hmm. To steal a face from Grace Yoko, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, yeah. those two players, you know, it's kind of hard to slot. That would have been like seven players on sure, the uh, team. Sure. So, you know, they're, the Big 12 is a deep league, right? They're great Absolutely. players all around. But, uh, you know, I do feel like uh, Hannah Webb and Allie Jackson, they were both tremendous for the Cowgirls. And uh, especially, I will say, especially Hannah Webb, I was kind of surprised. I thought that she might um, at least make the second team. But uh, I guess let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Or you want to say something? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, because one word Adam said that kind of got me thinking about the first team was professional, uh, talking about mm-hmm. Hannah Webb. And I think, um, you know, just from like a soccer standpoint, um, Kim Rodriguez was just a professional out there. Sam and I, we were watching, like, I, I don't know, maybe uh, the Norman Field had us like oriented differently. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got to see like Kim a little bit easier. But just some of the things she did um, last Thursday just really had me... Like, whoa, she's just, like, has a certain, like, smoothness about her and just professionalism. She doesn't ever get flushed out on the mm-hmm. field. And I can now see why, even though, you know, her offensive statistics weren't, mm-hmm. like, blowing anybody away. Okay, like, that's why she was a, you know, first team All-Big 12. Mm-hmm. Kim Rodriguez, um, she was... I can't remember you, you, her you, having it, a turnover. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to appreciate just how good she was oh, for this absolutely. Well, well, something you say with professional, I mean, she she actually is. She's she's a, a college student athlete, but she, she also, I mean, you, you can't forget, she's a member of the Mexican senior national team. So mm-hmm. she plays at a professional caliber yeah. uh, internationally. I mean, I mean, she she traveled the, the country of Cyprus. Uh, last year and, and played for Mexico and and you know sh- she's a player that could very well could uh, have a future in in uh, professional soccer, so and and also um, the other Big Twelve first team mentioned Olivia Dowell Jacob yep. you, you you were talking about this superstar just yeah superstar and you know she's she's not like a senior she's you know has years ahead of her and just yeah. what did you guys think of the way she played this season? I, I will just say. If, if this is her sophomore year, what is her senior year going like? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think, I mean, man, yeah. I don't think that you could ask for more from her. I mean, sure. So next year, presu- assuming that no seniors come back, let's just assume that for this thought process. If, if none of them are back, she's going to be the primary focus for every soccer team. Mm-hmm. Sure. Every yep. soccer team yep. that comes against OSU will be angled toward her because she's going to be probably the main person that's going to score. I mean, she, she paced the Cowgirls this year, and this year they had four or five people that could probably score whenever given the opportunity to just – at any given circumstance. So for her to lead OSU this year, I think it tells you all you need to know about what she's going to look like. She's going to be incredible. And I think the most impressive thing about Olivia Dow was, you know, like Jacob said, uh, she'll probably be drawing more and more uh, focus from the defense in the uh, her upcoming two years that she's a sophomore right now. But uh, I think the most impressive thing was she scored when everyone knew exactly what was going to happen with the ball. You know, when the defenses were clamping down, just needing to clear the ball once and come away with a draw, she scored. She managed to, you know, beat multiple defenders. Uh, it was verse. It was versus West Virginia and um, what was the other game she hit the game winner? Was it versus Texas Tech? West Virginia, Texas Tech? Yeah, uh, I think so. I Yeah, I, I believe so. And, uh, 
you know, she she was the one where if she got the ball with 30 seconds left in the match or, you know, eight or whatever it is, and everyone knows what she's trying to do, she still found a way to score. And guys, you know, like, that's just not... Not every player in D1 soccer has that in their bag. Sure. Not everyone no, has no. that. And I know Sam's, you know, listened to me make this comparison before, but you know, I guess I should get it out in the open uh, on the last OSU soccer pod of the semester. Um, I, I don't know, like, my knowledge of international and, you know, yeah. club soccer, it, it isn't the greatest, but I do know Messi. Okay. And that's the one player who Olivia Dow reminded me of all season. <laughs> kind of an undersized player. Um who just looks so good inside the box, uh, scoring the ball? You know, uh, her a little de- magician. Yeah, yeah, a little. Yeah, you know, she her defensive, you know, play like like wasn't the highlight, but she's just down there to get goals, and that's why she's on this team. That's why she was a first team All Big Twelve uh, honorable mention. Lionel Messi's Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi. He's my favorite <laughs> player to watch. Um, just the dude is a beast, and uh, Olivia Dow. She reminded me of uh, of Messi this whole season long. It's just uh, Olivia. Yeah. If you are listening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I I just couldn't help but laugh because I'm, I'm sitting here to my right, and Jacob, who is a huge uh, European soccer fan, is just he's like, what? He, he, he's laughing, which it's, <laughs> with what, all due respect, is it blasphemous to compare anyone to Messi? <laughs> yeah. Well, sure, sure, but. With that, just be, just before we end, I, I as you kind of pointed out, I'd like to put uh, I guess a programming note is mm-hmm. is so uh, we do have uh, fall break. So next week, you know, we will be in different places recording, but we're still going to pump out the same content. Now, with that being said, because there's that month break, or I guess several month break between now and and the spring season, with this time being, we are still going to continue the pod. Um, um, and, and Sam and Ben, you know, they, they can, they'll, uh, likely hop on at, at sometimes, but, uh, what Jacob and I decided is, is during this OSU downtime period, we will use this podcast to talk about, uh, pro soccer in general. So, so whether it be the United States men's national team, which is relevant at this point, since they just finished up two matches and then. Uh, I I think something, Jacob, that I think we could definitely do is ha- have two different perspectives because you personally, you follow the Champions League closely. You're a big European soccer fan. Well, for me, I'm kind of the opposite. Uh, I, I, I'm a big American soccer fan. I, I don't follow the Champions League too closely. I, I follow the MLS more uh, closely. So I think just those two perspectives, different, you know, you, different viewpoints would be great. So, um hey. Any incentive for yeah. me to watch any yeah. MLS is going to be <laughs> That's a good point. That's so. a good point. So, yeah, uh, I think that's what we're going to do. So, you you, you know, we're, we're still definitely going to talk about OSU soccer at, at some points, but, you know, for sure uh, back w- when they play in, in spring. So, with that, do you guys have any uh, other, I guess, parting thoughts, parting comments? Well, I'll say one last thing about Olivia before we get into that is just how good of her footwork is. I think that's yeah. a good compa- – yeah. I mean – That's a good point. For If you're going to compare her to Messi in any category, just the quality of her footwork around the box is probably the only thing that I can say for the level of competition she's playing at. She's She looks like Messi compared to those competi- that competition at footwork, at how yeah. good her footwork is. Now, at every other category, I mean, that, that'd be really yeah. generous because <laughs> Lionel Messi is one of a kind. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. I think at least from a footwork, just how good her footwork is and her 
uh, and how good she is at getting space with just the way she's dribbling and creating that opportunity. I certainly think that that is something that you can compare it to. And, you know, I don't think I would find that to be too <laughs> yeah. outlandish. Well, but. Jacobs, you, you make a great point. Something I guess I wanted to add is her, her footwork. I mean, just the fact that she was able to get that shot off, like that game winner, I think, what it was against West Virginia. Yep. Not only that, but her her patience. I I mm-hmm. think yeah. her her pa- we talk about professional like uh, that that the patience that she displayed is, is far beyond her years, far beyond a, a sophomore in college to have that awareness, um, that patience, and not only that, but the the confidence in her own shot. You know, be, because well, I I guess she wasn't looking at the clock. I, if she passed, I I don't think she there would be enough time but just just the fact that she knew she was okay she's like everyone's yelling shoot it shoot it but she's thinking in her head no i got this just 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 watch and boom into the back of the net they go and she's on the ground she gets dogpiled and nps goes wild that's a great point i think that patience is something that you have to consider too when you're looking at great traits that she sure. has that are way ahead of where other sophomores that have played the same amount of games that's a good point. are at think that is definitely something that everybody should be thinking about at least i think that's a really good point well guys it's been a great fall semester absolutely a great uh great time to be on the cowgirl soccer beat yeah uh, i like to think that it was covered well and oh, uh, it was really enjoyable you know I agree it doesn't really seem like work when you enjoy what you're doing and i think we all good point really enjoyed that so I appreciate the patience of uh, everyone who, you know, uh, stuck with us. This is probably our longest podcast of the oh, day, but with, it took a while to wrap without up. Without a doubt. took a while to wrap up uh, what ended up being a great fall semester for the Cowgirls and I think a uh, great resume uh, a great resume season for the Cowgirls to, you know, do what any team is trying to do and get a bid into that tournament and rip a national title. So, Yeah, so with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you next week with uh, Pro Soccer. Thanks for listening.